But it's good to be here today. You ready for the Word of God? Yeah. Amen. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. Amen. Gracious Father, we thank you for your Word, and we thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. And we come into the house of the God to inquire of the Lord, and we leave filled. Father God, let me be speak as an oracle, but you be the interpreter in their hearts as to what they need to hear and know and embrace and walk in. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, Pastor Steve said before, you know, this month, uh, the month of December is dedicated to uh, speaking about Christmas all month. Anybody else got a red shirt on? Am I the only one? Who else has red on today? Let me see your hand. Well, the rest of you, you need to, uh, you, you need to get with the spirit here, you know. <laughs> well, you got a red, red jacket on there? Thank you. Who else? I saw another hand. You have red right over there. Good for you. Well, we're in the same league together. But um, the Christmas story is a marvelous story, isn't it? It's unlike any other story about how any other religion, so to say, uh, got its name. And uh, there's so much in the Christmas story. Uh, you know, in our church, when I was pastoring, we used to dedicate the month of December to Christmas. And then we also had Wednesday nights for Christmas because there's so much to talk about. But I want to talk about someone today. I, I, call, I call this person the silent partner because everything that this person did under the direction of God, you don't have anything in the Bible. Nothing is written in the scripture about anything he ever said, but you see him doing. I'm talking about Joseph who married Mary. There's nothing in scripture recorded about anything that he actually said, but we see his faith in action. He had four specific dreams that came to him in regards to the Christ child, and he walked in all four of those dreams, and it all worked out good. You know, I want to give a little foundation first on, on this. You know, I always like to say that every, every message, there's a message within the message. And what I mean by that is it's very simple. Like Pastor Steve could get up or I could get up and talk about a certain thing. And if we were to ask everybody, what did you get out of it? Everybody would have something a little different than the other one. Because God has a way of taking the biblical accounts and the word of God and illuminating it within us so that it has special meaning to us. So I always say that there's, a, there's another meaning in the message at all times. But I want to lay a little foundation first because basically we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew uh, this morning. And in, uh, let's, let's go to... Uh, uh, first Timothy, uh, Second Timothy, I'm sorry, Second Timothy, uh, the um, uh, third chapter. And they're going to put the overheads up. I'm in the King James Bible, by the way, because we've seen all the Jesus movies, and that's how they all talk in heaven. <laughs> how many of you are watching The Chosen? Boy, isn't that refreshing? Amen. Very refreshing. They don't have British accents. <laughs> and they don't use words like notwithstanding. I remember I was in the military, and this big sergeant got up and was yelling at everybody. You know, they didn't talk to you in the beginning. They just yell at you. And, and we're all standing there, and finally, you know, he was giving out orders about this and that, and he said, it would behoove you to take heed to what I'm saying. I was a New York City kid. What do I know about behoove, take heed? I looked at the guy next to me. I said, what does that mean? Does it mean pay attention and do what he says? Said, oh, okay. You know, but, you know, the Bible is full of all kinds of things. But I'm in the King James Bible today, so... I, I kind of like the way it flows, but uh, okay, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, let me read verse uh, 16 and 17, there's a meaning for this, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is one, profitable, two, uh, one, one, it is profitable for doctrine, one, two, for reproof, three, for correction, number four, 
for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17 says, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Joseph was a just man. We're going to see that in Scripture today. And when you, it's referred to as just, it also means that you have declared righteous. And God knew what he was doing. How many of you know God knows what he's doing? He picked Joseph to take on a task that a lot of other men would have shirked it off, man. I'll tell you, you know, you know you're engaged to a young girl and she turns up pregnant and you know it's not yours. Wow. And he was faced with something there, and, uh, but he was a just man, and we're going to see that in Scripture. So I wanted to read that because of that very reason there, to understand that he, he is a just man. And um, Ephesians chapter 5. I don't know if any of you know about it. There was a book that came out a number of years ago called Maximized Manhood by a man by the name of Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. And uh, he was talking to men and how we should behave ourselves and conduct ourselves. And, and, uh, and he made a statement. And uh, yeah, Ephesians come before Philippians, right? <laughs> I know Gentiles eat pork chops. I know all about that. <laughs> But he made a statement in that book, uh, Maximized Manhood, and he said, the best gift you can give to your wife, to give to your children, is to love their mother. And boy, there's a lot of truth in in that. And here we see that God chose Joseph, who loved Mary. In spite of the circumstances that arose, and in spite of the position she was in, and all the position it could have put him in just as well, I mean, you know, all of a sudden she's pregnant. Well, who else would they think daddy is? Well, they would think Joseph. They would think, well, they... But no, that was not the case. We know how that story went down, how God sent the angel Gabriel, spoke to Mary by name, told her the whole plan. It's interesting that uh, Mary, too, let me just back up just a second on that. Mary, too, I mean, she had a life planned. I'm going to marry Joseph. I'm going to have a good life with him. He's a good man. He loves God. He's in the temple all the time. He's in the synagogue all the time. He's well-respected. He's well-established. You know, in, in the Old Testament, you know, it, it, we read where it says, there were, in those days there were many widows in Israel. Well, that's because men were usually considerably older than the, the, the girl that they married. Mary is estimated to have been about, we hear different things, she'd be anywhere from 14 to 16 years old at the time of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. So, you know, she was quite young. Joseph was established in his business, and, you know, uh, the... That was just the way it was back then, and he was committed to her. He loved her, and, and yet we, we see in this whole thing that he, that he was not going to do anything different. We remember how, it goes, how that goes, but also in the book of Ephesians, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, they'll probably put it up there, but it says to train up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So God knew what he was doing. He put, he put a man into, into, into Mary's life who would be a father to the Son of God. Hello. <laughs> Going to be a father to this child. And you know that, well, you know how people would be. There was talk. There was talk around town. You know, Mary got pregnant, then they went away, and then we didn't see them for a long time. Then eventually they came back with this little boy, you know. And, uh, and you know, it, it was quite a situation. And Mary was challenged in this whole thing. But we know how that goes. I, I would just say, I do it every year. I, I, I make it a point to take time out and read the Christmas account in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. You get the whole picture in that. But to train him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So Joseph was the right kind of man to be the stepfather or father figure in young Jesus' life when he was just a child. 
So God knows what he's doing, and sometimes we don't understand what God is doing in our life because how many of you have figured out by now that you don't see the end from the beginning? Only God does. He takes us step by step, day by day, and there's times what we're doing, and we know that God wants us to be doing this or to be doing that. Or this. Sometimes to people around us, it just doesn't make sense. But to you, you have a witness in your heart that God is directing your steps to do what you're doing. And that gives you a peace to go forward. You know, I tell you, Pastor Steve and I, we're very common in a number of ways. We, we both got saved and, and, and sensed a call to ministry very early in our Christian walk, didn't we? And, you know, he went off to Bible college, him and Lorraine, and so did my wife and I. We were kind of young in the Lord, and we went off to Bible school, and, uh, and uh, wow, we just knew what was going to happen. Well, I knew that when I set foot into Bible college, I was going to step out of American Airlines where I worked and go be a minister. A lot of people didn't understand it, but I did. God was dealing with me. God was dealing with my wife. We were in agreement. That's another thing uh, in marriage. Be in agreement about what you do. Amen. So in looking at all of this, the nature and the admonition of the Lord, let's go back to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to basically be there throughout this message. Just kind of a narrative but we see some things along the way in there with, with Jesus, I mean with Joseph, in regards to this situation. Remember now, let's go back in time and take a look at it. Joseph is a happy man. He's, he's engaged, betrothed or engaged, meaning that he was spoken for, she was spoken for. No one else could interfere and try to make the move on Mary or make the move on Joseph, so to say. They were, they were destined to be together. And guess what? All of a sudden, she's pregnant. Wow, that's a tough situation for her, tough situation for Joseph, because being betrothed in those days was as good as being married. If he wanted out of that, out of that marriage, he literally had to go to the rabbi and get a writ of divorce according to the law. He had to get a writ of divorce because even though they had not consummated the union, nevertheless, they were betrothed before God, before God. And here we see here, let's start in verse number Verse number 18. Remember now, Joseph, we don't have anything written of anything that he did, but we see what he, we don't have anything written as to what he said, but we see what he did. You know, in the book of James, it says, you have works and I have faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. Good faith in you always produces a corresponding action. It always does. It requires a step on your part. And Joseph had his hands full with this, and so did Mary, but God. How many, how many want to say, but God, with me? <laughs> <coughs> I used to say, but God, and everybody in the church used to shout back at me, but God! <laughs> I loved it. But in verse number, let's pick up verse number 18 in uh, Matthew chapter number 1. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused or engaged, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Big difference. That was all the difference that they needed, of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, just, declared righteous. He was a good man. He knew God. He loved God. He honored God. He served God. There was no guile was found in him, as they would say. And he was a just man. And not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Privately. He was going to go talk to the rabbi about this whole thing, get rid of divorce, and quietly quiet this thing down. 
but God. But oh, I tell you what. But while he thought on those things, remember now he thought on it. We have nothing written down of anything that he said to people. You know, people will know you're a Christian by what they see you do in a lot of cases. Not always what you say, it's what they see you do on a consistent basis. I never forget, you know, I first became a Christian. I was talking to somebody yesterday about this. And, and I remember, you know, I got saved on the job and I got, now I'm a Christian on the job. I was working with American Airlines. I was a, airplane mechanic. I was living in Tulsa at the time. And uh, this fellow that was kind of a friend of mine, but he was a crew, he was a crew chief. And, uh, and he said to me one day, he was a bit older than me. I was a young man then. He said, you know, kid, I don't like you the way you are now. I said, you don't? He said, no, you're no fun anymore. I don't like you very much. I don't like what you are. I said, well, gee, I'm sorry you don't like it, but that, that, this is me, man. He says, yeah, I know, and I don't like it. Well, you know, within a few years, he said to me, this, you know, kid, I'm sorry. I do like what you are now. You're, you're so different. There's something very different about you. I like what I see. And I said, well, thanks, John. Thank you for, for telling me that. I said, I, said, I hope you didn't take offense to it. I said, no, not at all. I didn't, because I knew who I was. Don't you know who you are? Thank you. Say that again. Anybody else want to say amen to that? What's your name, brother? Say amen. Carl. Yes, Carl. I met you the first time you ever visited here. I told you, come on back. Well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> Carl, that's your wife with you there? What's your name, dear? Marianne. Marianne. Well, good. I, he came alone. I said, he said, I like it. I said, good. You come on back. I said, I think I preached that day, too. I said, Pastor Steve is better than me. You want to come back? <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that you're here. Follow Carl's lead. You can say amen anytime you want around here. So anyway, we see here, where did I leave you hanging? Where did I leave you hanging? Yes, he thought about this thing. And All right, let's go back and read verse 20 again. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Yes, this is important. In a dream and said to him, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. Fear not is mentioned 365 times in the Bible, telling us that there shouldn't be a day in the year that you should yield to fear. But something very important, the angel says to him, he identified Joseph. He said, Joseph, thou son of David. See, you have to understand the Jewish culture and the, and, and the religion in the day. is They were all waiting for the Messiah. And they knew he was going to come through the tribe of Judah. And David's got something to do with this. Because David was their beloved king. Even with all of his flaws, right? He was their beloved king. And the angel tells him, you're, of the, you're, you're, of the, you're the, a son of David, meaning you're in the genealogy of the Messiah. And that right there told Joseph a lot. Told Joseph a lot. I mean, I know like a lot of you here, uh, you know that I lost my wife a couple of years ago. It's coming up on two years. And I remember I was very, very hurt by it when she was gone. I mean, I was crying to the Lord. And, you know, and I said, Father God, I, you know, I don't get it. Uh, you know, I'm not a pastor anymore, but that's okay. I, you know, th that's it. I ran my course with that, but no, now my wife is gone. And I, I was very honest with God, and I was crying. And I said, Father, who am I? What am I? And he spoke to me, and I heard him speak to me in my heart. He said, you're my son. And that meant all the difference in the world when I heard that. He let me know this is what you are. That's what the angel is doing with Joseph. He's saying, thou son of David, fear not. He said, don't be afraid. And he said to him, fear not. Where am I? Verse what? 20. I keep forgetting what verse I'm in. 
I get so excited about this. I love this story. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Wow. Kind of let them know this is what the deal is. You got something very, very special happening here, and you're part of it. You're in the lineage of the Messiah. Isn't that a good thing? Yes, and we're all a product of the Messiah. You know, right there, you know, and, and he starts quoting scripture. And he says, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, after Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Then Joseph, being raised up from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son. He had respect of who she was. Yes, we got married legally, but we're not going to consummate this thing because you've got a holy child in you, and I'm not going to tamper with that. We want this is going to be the Messiah that's going to come. It's going to be called God with us, and I'm not going to tamper with that. I'm going to take care of you, Mary. We're going to make sure everything comes out right in this whole thing. You see, by his obedience, the anointing of God came on him. Every act of obedience that we take, God has the anointing that comes on us. Anointed implies that you've been rubbed down with oil. Well, the Holy Spirit is a type, oil is a type of the Holy Spirit, right? You know, if, if there's any of the sick, anoint them with oil, right? And the prayer of faith, right? And it talks about anointing with oil. And so what we're looking at here is that he is anointed. Mary is pregnant by the Holy Ghost. What a dynamic duo they are. They both are anointed by God. They both have God's DNA rubbed all over them, all over them. and so do you. If you're a born-again Christian, I trust you are today. If you're not, we'll give you a chance to become one today. You're anointed by the Holy Ghost. You have God's DNA. You know what I call DNA? Well, I know they have a medical term for it. I call it divine nature abiding. Amen. You got Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're not the man you was. I got saved on the job. And I went home that day. The man that went home was not the same man that left to go to work. And the same thing happened to all of you. When God came into your life, you became something you never were before. Joseph became somebody he never was before. The man was a carpenter, and all of a sudden, he's wrapped up in the plan of God to bring the Messiah. The hope of Israel, they've all been praying and pleading with God to send the Messiah, send the Messiah. Hey, you know, and then they start saying, oh, he's going to be a military man. Nobody came to save us from our sin. Get us born again. Make us children of the Most High God. And what an example Joseph is to us here. He honored Mary. He honored her. Now in chapter number two, let's go to chapter two here. Now what happens here is that the wise men come on the scene. We're not going to really talk about them. We're talking about Joseph today, the, the guy that doesn't talk, right? Well, we see what he did. Uh, but the, the, uh, the wise men come out of the east and they go find Herod. And they, they say, where is he born, the king of the Jews? You know that unnerved Herod. That unnerved him terribly. He did not like the whole idea of it. And he asked his, his scribes and whatnot, oh, where was he born? They knew. They told him exactly where he would be born. They knew. You would think that they would hear that and want to get on the bandwagon with what God is doing. No. No, so they tell him, well, you go find the child, then come back and tell us, and we'll all come and worship together. Liar, liar, pants on fire. 
Yeah, you lied. So anyway, they leave, and they move on from there. But now let's pick up in Matthew number, chapter 2. Let's pick up on verse number 11. And when they were coming to the house, this is the wise men, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I know we have beautiful nativity scenes. I have them too. It shows the three wise men at the birth. Well, they weren't there. Joseph and Mary are in a house now. Time has gone by. They're not in that overnight stable any longer where Mary gave birth to the Christ child. They're in a house, but they're down there. They have a small infant. They can't travel yet. So they're in this house, and now these guys show up, and they bow down and they worship. They're not Jewish men, but yet they saw something in the sky. They saw a star, and they said, and they searched the scriptures. They had access to the Jewish uh, scriptures, and they had access to, to things, and they knew something remarkable is taking place in Israel. We're going to follow that star and find out what it is. And they get there, and they come in. Could you imagine Joseph and Mary? First of all, in, 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 you'll, you'll see it in Luke's gospel, that when they, the shepherds, they, they came to, right to the stable, you could imagine what went through Joseph and Mary's minds at that time. And now all of a sudden, these, these strangers show up. I know they always show three because it's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't really know exactly how many they were. But the important thing is that they came, and there's a reason why they came. And they came and they, they gave them, they presented gifts. Now even they are led by dreams from God, the wise men, because God is using them for a purpose. Do you know that when you get involved in the plans of God, even if it has nothing to do with you, but you're helping someone else, there's a reward for you. There's a blessing for you. What you do in your church is a blessing to the church, but it's a blessing to you, and God takes note of it. You know, I remember when I first got saved. You know, I had come, Pastor Steve knows what I'm talking about with this. I mean, I came out of, I came out of playing in a rock band. I played a Hammond B3 organ and saxophone and doing Billy Joel in Boston and all these groups. I'm old. That was a long time ago. And, you know, we're doing all these songs, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden now I get saved. I, bring the, I quit the band. Find out all those guys in the band were backslidden Christians anyway. <laughs> they all got right with God. Isn't that a kick? And so now at the church, we get a new worship leader, and he's putting together a whole new shebang up there. Man, there's all kinds of things. And he says, we need an organist. I said, yes, that's for me. And I went in the back, and they had a rack, and I picked up an application for the music department. As I picked it up, I heard the Lord speaking to me saying, no, that's not for you. Put it back. I said, yes, sir. I dropped it right back in, and God put me involved in altar workers ministry, praying with people when they get born again, people wanting to get right with God, doing that. Got me involved working with people, something totally abstract of what I thought I wanted to do, but it was, it was there for a meaning, and these men are there for a meaning. They bring all of this gold and frankincense and myrrh, costly things. Joseph and Mary are out of their element. He's not in his shop. He's not making any money. Have I got a witness on this one? And being warned of God in the dream that they should not Returned to Herod. I mean, verse 12, they departed their own way to another country. And when they went, they were departed. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. There's that dream again. In a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and be there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Do we have any veterans in here? Anybody in the military? Thank you. You remember what standing orders are? When you're told to do something, you do it until they tell you to do something else. 
<laughs> I remember I was brand new in the aviation trade, learning. I was still just a, you know, an E2 at the time. And uh, you know, I was learning about airplanes. And, and they always had a power unit for the airplane. And they'd plug in a cord. And they'd fire up this thing. It was gas-powered. And it was X amount of feet away from the airplane. But there was always a fire extinguisher there. That if that thing should catch on fire, you put the fire out. I was called. I was, Sergeant told me, I want you to fire guard, that, fire guard us today. That was my job. The airplane mechanic to be is making sure this thing doesn't catch on fire. And if it does, I got to put the fire. And I said to him, okay, um, uh, how long am I going to do it? He says, till I tell you to do something else. I said, oh, okay. That's it. Standing orders. Joseph's got standing orders over here. He says, go to Egypt. He doesn't tell him how long to stay. He says, go to Egypt. Now, according to uh, 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 Chronicles, uh, chronicalizing th this whole thing of the time frame when different kings and Herod and this and that. It's, 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 it's guessed that Joseph and Mary were, were in Egypt approximately six or seven years, not months, years, out of their element, out of Israel. Whether Joseph opened up a carpenter shop down there or not, I don't know. But God sent the wise men to give them provision. Provision for gold, frankincense, myrrh. They're in a strange land. I don't know how the Egyptians were with the Hebrews back then. Might not have been good. I don't know. But he had all that he needed. He had all that he needed. My wife and I, I, mean, I left American Airlines when the time came and we moved back to New Jersey with a wife and three young children. My youngest was five. Nowadays, I say, if God wants me to do something like that, you know, send me an email to confirm what, you, what I'm hearing in my heart. <laughs> Put it in writing, can you, please? But we came up here fully persuaded. We're supposed to do it. Pastor Steve, you know the drill. You and Lorraine stepped out and started the church, at Philadelphia Church. You started out with a dream, a vision, a plan. I mean, my wife and I moved back up here. We didn't have much money. We had a house in Oklahoma. We sold it. That money wasn't going to last very long. There was no income coming. But God took care of everything. These people are being taken care of. Because, why? Because Joseph is a just man. And he's following the promptings of God through vision, I mean, through, through these dreams. He has a total of four dreams. This is dream number two. So the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph to stay there. And so when he arose, he took the young child, verse 14, and his mother, and they departed to Egypt. They went to Egypt, and verse 15 says, And he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son, even fulfilling, fulfilling that. Because of Joseph's obedience, it brought provision. Because of Joseph's obedience, it brought protection. And God is covering every base along the way. And, you know, and oftentimes, you know, we don't know the ins and outs. I always like to say, I, I used to pray, say, boy, you know, you know Lord, you've you got all kinds of nuts and bolts you're not showing me yet. You know, I, I know you're going to put this, all of this together. You know, I, I went into ministry, you know, I was told, go preach Jesus and people will get saved and they'll come. But I didn't know anything about administration. I didn't know anything about any of that. It was a learning curve. But God honors obedience. He wants obedience out of us. And when we are obedient to his word, things happen in our life that could not have happened otherwise. And so we see here he's having a dream and all things are coming together really good. And because Joseph followed God's dreams, they had protection. They had provision. Now, while we're still here in Matthew ch chapter 2, we're going to move on down a little bit. And we see here that, um, yeah, let's move on down. 
Yeah, they, that's when Herod gets all Herod gets uh, a, a bug up his nose when the wise men don't come back to him, and he unleashes his troops to go in and kill all the infants two years old and under. But Joseph and Mary and Jesus are not there. Amen. They're not there. They're gone. They're in Egypt, and they have provision. They have protection because Joseph understood to follow God. You know, God leads us in a lot of different ways, you know. Well, you, you know, God, God, doesn't, God doesn't always tell you the end from the beginning because we, we couldn't handle it. I remember a preacher was doing an illustration where they had a rubber band, and, uh, and he said, you know, expand your expectancy with God. You know, really expand what you can believe that God can do in your life. He says, well, when you reach a point where it's full, you know, uh, uh, there's got to be more. So he hooked another rubber band on it and stretched it a little bit longer. You know, there, there. Now, see, you can, you can expect more from God. You can believe more. Oh, gee, you know, that's kind of, is there more? Well, he slipped on another, another rubber band. <laughs> and uh, he just kept putting rubber bands on until they got an usher to help him. And they, they had this thing stretched out. And he said, did you think in the beginning with one rubber band you could stretch that far? The same thing is true in walking with God and trusting God. You don't know in the beginning, but God wants you to go step by step with him. Right. Why? Because our life with God is a journey. My life has taken a whole different turn, whole different turn. I mean, I, I was a pastor for 32 years. I'm not anymore, but I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. You know, I told Pastor Steve something. I'm going I'm to tell on you, but it's a good tell on you. I didn't know what was going to happen as far as ministry when I first retired. And I met this dear pastor, and he invited me out here to speak when he was not here. <laughs> That's dangerous. I told him, I said, Pastor Steve, you are a man of faith. Remember what I told you? I said, for all you know, you could have come back and found out I taught everyone how to stand on their heads and speak in tongues. I mean, there's no telling what I would have done. But ever since you did that, Ever since he did that, I've had more and more opportunities to speak. You primed the pump for me, Pastor. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You were used by God. Sometimes we don't realize what we're doing. Did you think you were opening a door for me when you invited me? No. No. The, re the, re the return on it is we became good friends. God's using me more and more in all different capacities and different ways and different places. All over the place. I'm glad I bought a car that gets good gas mileage because I drive far sometimes. And the same thing is happening here. Joseph doesn't see the end from the beginning. He's just, he's just going one step at a time. As God is leading him, he's going. And, and, and this is an amazing, you know, the entire Christmas story is supernatural. The whole thing, every bit of, this is supernatural. I mean, the man, we don't know what he had to say, but we know what he believed because we see what he was doing. His faith had action and they could see his faith in action. You know, I never forget um, uh, a fellow that I, I, I first I was, I was working with him. I worked with him at LaGuardia Airport, New York. I worked with him at Kennedy Airport, New York. Then I worked with him in Tulsa when we transferred down there, and I was an unsaved guy. Well, then I get saved. You know, and he finds out that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Bible school. There was a Bible school in town, of all things. How about that? How about that? And, 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 and the word is out, and he comes to me one day. He says, Joe, what's this? I hear you're going to quit. You're going to quit the job, and you're going to move back east and start a church? And I didn't want to tell him, you know, cast the pearls before the swine. He wasn't saved. I didn't want to tell him. But it came to me. I said, well, yeah, yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah, I am. And he looked at me and says, what are you, nuts? 
You know, I always said to go into ministry, you're either nuts or you're totally in the will of God. <laughs> There's no in between. <laughs> you know, it's like riding a motorcycle. You either like it or you don't. And if you don't like riding, don't ride. And so, you know, and, and then finally it came down to where I was leaving. And he came to me, he said, Joe, I don't understand a lot of things. I don't believe like you do and all that. But all I know is, uh, you know, he looked at me, he smiled, he said, you're going to be okay. And I said, thanks. His name was Vince. I said, thanks, Vince. He said, I, there's just something about you, man. You're going to be okay. It's going to work out. And it did. But did I know that in the beginning? No. Did Joseph know what was going to happen from the beginning? No. All he knows is his sweetheart is pregnant. And it's not his. But God takes him in a direction he didn't expect. And so we see here in all of this, let's go to verse number 19. I think that's where it's going to take us. And so now they're down there in, in, um, they're down there in Egypt, right? Standing orders. Go to Egypt. You stay there till you hear from me. That's it. So he's standing out there fire guarding that power unit for up to seven years. <laughs> That's all he has to do. Stay right there. Stay put. Sometimes we have to stay put. Sometimes we just have to stay put and wait for the next step to come along. And God will find ways to reveal it to you. He'll reveal it to you. Amen. But when Herod was dead, verse 19, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Here it comes again. Dream number three. He appears to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought thee and the child's life. And he arose, and he took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he learned that Archelaus did reign in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go, go further, notwithstanding. Don't you just love words like notwithstanding? Yeah. And notwithstanding, it would behoove you to take heed. I, I love that. So, and we see here, he says, notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, dream number four. In a town called Nazareth, look at this, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, he shall be called a Nazarene. Wow. Now, let me, let, me, let me put this out to you. This, I remember the first time I read this, and I said, wait a minute. You know, all right, you know, God, you told him to go back to Israel. Couldn't you just tell him go to Nazareth? You know, my thinking was, couldn't you just tell him to go to Nazareth? I mean, you make him go there. Then if the guy says, oh, by the way, I want you to go to Nazareth. You see, the whole thing, again, it comes back down to this. Life in Christ is a journey. And he wants you to walk with him and trust him every step along the way. You know, the, the angel said to Joseph, remember we read that before, the angel came and he said, Joseph, thou son of David, identified his, his lineage and who he was, that he was part of something bigger than himself. And then he said, fear not. 365 times, scripture tells us, don't be afraid. Fear not. So that means every day when fear is knocking on your door, you can say, no, I'm not going to give in to this. I'm not going to give in to this. You don't have to give in to it. No, you, you, you've got God's DNA in you. You've got divine nature abiding in you. You're a child of the most. That's, like I said, and I say this in all sincerity and, and honesty. I mean, I mean, when I was totally broken, 
If any of you lost a spouse or, or a child, you know what I'm talking about. It, it's very debilitating. It, it's painful, and, and you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do next. And when I all, all I said to God, who am I? He said, you're my son. And it, was, it was like when the angel said to Joseph, I could relate to that. Joseph, that son of David. Man, I heard, you're my son. I said, oh, yes. And boy, let me tell you, I walked a different walk after that. Totally different. Totally different. But life is a journey. Joseph was on a journey. The silent partner of God. There's nothing mentioned about anything he says. But, you know, the Bible says there's times that we stand in faith. Right? After having an altar stand, stand. But yet it says we walk by faith. So there's times to stand and there's times to walk, but neither event you hold fast the word of God. You hold, what does the promise of God tell me? Amen. Amen. You know, I remember when we were leaving to come back to New Jersey, I was bouncing around singing, they shall go out with joy, yet be led forth in peace. Remember those songs? We used to sing all those Jewish sounding songs in church years ago. Glory to God. And you know, we were so happy to come up here. I left my job. I don't tell this to too many people, but I, we still have just a few more minutes. But I, I remember we, we, we drove up here. The movers took our stuff. We sold our house. And, uh, and we drove up here and sp spent a couple of days by my mother's house in Queens, which she was thrilled because she had her grandchildren there, of course. You know, and uh, I understand that now. I have five grandchildren. Aren't grandchildren great? How many of you are grandparents? Yeah, grandparents, yeah. Grandchildren are good. We should have had them first, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> no, my kids were good kids. And, you know, we got here to New Jersey. And, well, we went to New York first, stayed with my mother. The movers called us and said, we're going to be at your residence where you're going to be. We were renting a, an apartment in a two-family house. And, and we, we drove out to New Jersey. And I never forget, we pulled up in front of the house, and I got out of the car. This is the God's honest truth. I got out of my car, and... I closed the door, and I felt something come over me. I was in the will of God. And all of a sudden, I was Pastor Joe. I wasn't Joe the mechanic anymore at American Airlines. I had no congregation. But I'm Pastor Joe. You know, you know what I'm talking about. When you realize what, what God made you. Before you see anything, it's there. Before anyone sees it or even you see it. And I got out of my wife looking. and said, Joe, you okay? I said, yeah. I said, what's wrong? I said, nothing. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. But Joseph was so engrossed with following God that he waited six to seven years in Egypt waiting for the next step along the way. He's a man to be respected, isn't he? Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. And what an example he is of fatherhood. He loved Jesus' mother. Best gift you can give to your children is to love their mother. He proved he loved her. He proved he loved God. Boy, when you, got, you love God and you love your spouse, man, you, 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 there isn't anything you can't accomplish. Amen. So I want to close with that thought, that jo Joseph was obedient every step along the way in fatherhood. There's nothing spoken, but we see his faith in action over and over again. So really, who was Jesus' father? God. Joseph was his stepfather who looked after him. Because of Joseph, there was provision. There was protection. Everything that Jesus needed along the way until he could finally be and step into what God had him to be. Amen. But in the meantime, Joseph was there. So Joseph was anointed to be the father to someone else's child. And let me throw that out 
just another cycle. Like I said, oftentimes in a message, there's a message within the message. I, I, I know people who adopt children. They love those children. You would think they were their natural children. They love those children. So you have the capacity to love a child that's not yours. You can when you let God guide your steps along the way. Can you say amen to that? But I like Joseph. I love Joseph. He's an example of faith in a very difficult situation. And he dared to trust God to reveal to him what he needed. And I love it. There's nothing mentioned about anything he said. So we can't read anything that we know he said and kind of maybe somebody might kind of want to twist it this way or that way or read into it something that, that's not really being said. But we can look at what he did. And when we see what he did, we see it was the right step every, every step along the way. And the same thing applies to us. God is not a respected person. When you follow him, he'll show you what to do. You may not understand it at first, but if you just do it. You know, I, you know, <laughs> you know, I remember, <laughs> I started, I remember, the, I remember the first time I learned that forgiveness is a decision and not a feeling. Huh? Remember that? You find out forgiveness is a decision you make. It's not a feeling. Because I used to tell people in my church, if you're waiting for somebody to apologize, you might grow old and ugly waiting. They may never apologize. They may never say they were wrong. But what do you do? You forgive them anyway. You forgive them anyway. When you forgive them, you have an open door to pray for them too. Amen. Because now you're free of whatever wrong that they did or whatever it is. 